What's up, world? You are now listening to another episode of the Power Post Game Report, where we recap each and every episode of Power, and we are in season one of book two, Ghost. And we're talking episode eight, Family First. Uh, but of course, we must introduce ourselves. I, of course, I'm always one of your hosts, Triple D, and with me as always is... This is Carlos D. What's up, what's up man? How you doing? Not much, man. We we getting ready for the for the holidays and whatnot. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, it'll be what minus two. Well, time of this recording, I should say, a uh, couple days away from Christmas. You you ready for it? Oh yeah, I'm ready. I mean, like I said, don't really feel like a good Christmas this year. Stuff like everything has just been off, and it just kind of crept yeah. up on us. But I'll make the best of it. That's all we can do. That's all yeah. we can do. But also means we're in the home stretch of this first season. We have put eight behind us. Well, this will be eight behind us and only two more to go. Um, and what I think has been a pretty successful first season of the spinoff. You know, I feel like there have uh-huh. been some hiccups here and there. But for the most part, I think they have provided a story that's engaging. Um, is enough of a twist from the original that I think could honestly stand as its own show. Like if we didn't know it was connected to power and they had just introduced these characters, I think it would be um, a show that could be strong enough that it can kind of just be its own thing. And I hope as we get, if they go, you know, I don't know how many seasons they plan on going, but if they go three, four seasons that it can really find, find its own identity outside of just being, this is the ghost. This is the son of ghosts. This is ghost's family continued. So, uh, you know, I think it's been a positive eight episodes and I'm ready to see how it's going to end. Enough said. Totally agree. Um, I think that's a very interesting point that some people will be introduced to the world of power through this series. Um, They'll inevitably start with this series and I totally agree. Um, Granted, a lot of Tariq's backstory is in the first book of power uh but i think this would be solid enough that i think people would, it would interest people to go back and watch power if they hadn't previously um so yeah 100 percent agree uh very very strong opening uh opening eight episodes we you know we ain't even finished with the first full season and uh i'm sold so you ready to get into this week's episode oh yeah let's go man and uh, I actually was uh-huh. a much better person than last week and being more professional. I watched all the scenes, even the scenes that I don't. <laughs> now, granted, I might not have a lot to comment about the scenes, but I at least Which is fair. did my professionalism and watched every scene of this episode. We will take it. Definitely appreciate that. And luckily, they weren't in, in that much, but it all helped that... Um, their involvement kind of helped make things a little, you know, dig things a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we'll get to that when we get to that. So uh, overall thoughts of this episode before we get right into the details. Um, actually, I think this is a strong episode. Uh, some of the stuff was a little goofy and just unrealistic in, in, in a real world scenario. But as a TV show, you got to kind of throw that out the window sometimes. Um, but for the most part, I think it was a strong episode. I think it is setting up some things that are going to really play out over these last two episodes and probably leading to the finale. Um, so I, 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 I solid great. 
I liked it. What about you? Uh, same. This one felt like what we know of a of a big episode of Power. It wasn't like super, you know, earth shattering, but compared to last week, it definitely ramped up in the action and the drama a bit more. Um, the stakes have been raised. Uh, that's what I'll say. Like the 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 tension, like the real tension, is back on. Because last week was last week was a cool episode and it was a great episode, but this week it felt like like okay, let let's let's get you ready for this uh, this season finale. Um, and I think they did a really good job of that because uh, we only got two more episodes left and there's a whole lot of things moving around. So uh, with that being said, let's let's dive on into this thing. So uh, episode picks up with the re-up. Our, our <laughs> recently reconnected bro buddies, uh, bro business partners, uh, they got more product and um, business is back on. And Brayden is putting in his bid for, you know, wanting to sell some harder stuff because he knows there's money to be made off of that. And uh, Tariq, being the businessman that he is, is like, we don't. We don't need to do that. Like that's that's not really our our thing. Let's stick to what we know. And I think like leaving the door open for you know future endeavors, but like kind of keeping it simple as a businessman. Let's not let's not overdo it and get into another one of these scenarios where you know if we short on product, we got way too many customers. We letting down. Um, we also get the introduction introduction of Mrs. Carmichael, uh, Abu Chandria's mom. Uh, damn, <laughs> kind of aggressive with it, snapping on the tutor, snapping on her for having a tutor, snatching the papers. Like, dang, lady, I'm just I'm just dropping off some some homework. That's it. What did you think of this opening uh, segment going into uh, family day in the class? Oh uh, yeah, I liked it. Um, I think. I'm still trying to figure out Braden's motivation for wanting to be a part of this lifestyle. You know, as we know, he comes from a very wealthy family, so he's not doing it for money. But I think it's more that he just likes the thrill of this. He thinks uh, selling dope is a game, like a literal game, like it's like GTA or you know, you know, some type of game to him because he's thinking he can handle all these things that comes with it, especially with this move that he now all of a sudden wants to move coke. But there's really no reason for him to do it. So. He, I think he is not taking it as serious as Tariq is trying to make it seem to him. Even though he has been through these things where he's been a, like literally kidnapped, had guns in his face, he's still playing the game out like it's an actual game as opposed to real life stakes. Um, and as far as Sh- uh, Chandria, who's Bruce Chandria's mom, remember she said her daddy is Bruce, her mom is Chandria. Um, Oh man, you you totally right. I completely forgot about yeah. that. Go on, man. Now I'm just saying that she, you know, you see the apple don't fall too far from the tree. She is outspoken. She is, uh, I mean, if you want to call it aggressive, whatever it may be, she's not shy about having an opinion and sharing that opinion with everybody else. So I, I like how they kind of show mom and daughter are kind of one of the same. Um, but I also like how they do they do for all the, you know, quote unquote loud aggressive black girl stuff that they make Bruchandra do they also always bring it back to that she's very smart and she you know she's the top of her class she gets her work done so you know while she does have an aggressive personality if you want to call it that I like how they also give it a balance that she is about her business and about her schoolwork 
So I appreciate that. Right. Um, but it was a fun scene. Yeah, because she's, she's in that school. Yeah, she's right. in that school. Um, and before anyone takes my use of the word aggressive way too far and way too too far to the left, um, I'm not saying just don't don't run with it the way people think they want to run with it i'm saying the the snatching of the tutor papers my man was shook like he ain't he ain't know that was coming i ain't know that was coming um but definitely a fun scene like now it's like okay i already said how i feel about wanting to see more bouchandry in there now i kind of want more of moms in there too especially the back and forth with her and uh lauren's parent uh mm -hmm. mom uh because that was funny so yeah, I definitely want to see more of uh, parents being parents, uh, which we get a bit more of this show. Um, so, like I said, this scene flows into into the to, to the class scene, which uh, this was this was an, an interesting scene. It was an interesting way they played it um, because eventually this was going to have to happen. Uh, we get the you know Tariq being uh, essentially the odd man out. Uh, because of his parent situation, mm -hmm. mom in jail, dad dead, he did it. Uh, I didn't understand the the look that Bouchandria and his, and her mom gave Tariq, unless maybe Lauren told her, told her that he kind of you know was bugging the night of the party or whatever. Like I understood why Lauren looked at him funny, but I didn't understand why they they kind of gave him a look. Um, but who knows? Uh, just something I picked up on. Uh, but this week's uh, this week's assignment is the Invisible Man, and it pretty much centers around the truth and what we perceive perceive as the truth, what we want to accept as the truth, and what we want to hear as the truth. Um, what did you feel about the introduction of that, and um, a lot of the parents kind of chiming in? Yeah, and that was the weird thing to me. And I, you know, I've heard of a Parents Weekend. Um, but I've never seen Parents Weekend where they let the people come to class. Was that something that you guys had at, at you know, your school or like, nope. You could like visit and of course, especially when, you know, parents didn't really do it when you was like seniors or juniors, but that first year, uh, it was normally around, I guess around the same time that's going into school, like a couple of months into school, usually in the first semester, they would have people, you know, parents can come visit, but they didn't allow them in the classroom and they didn't allow them to butt in and talk about it and get a be a part of the lecture so that was that was a little off to me um because I, I just didn't have any personal first-hand experience of that um as far as the discussion I, like i said i always like all the discussions they have in the classroom because i like that it is giving um more than just drug dealing and shooting and killing in this tv show um even though it's a, a fun part of the show i do like that they have another aspect where these are um people that are tr trying to seek higher education they are talking about um a lot you know all real books all real things that hopefully encourage people who are watching to kind of pick up that book and go read it or or, or look into it uh, especially you know visible man that talks about like a serious thing that we are going through currently like especially in 2020 um with this thing of uh society race the big race issue and everything associated with that so i love all the school scenes where they are actually talking about real books and hopefully encouraging people to kind of branch out and kind of discover these things outside of just watching the show for entertainment or pleasure um and i you know i and also as far as the look i didn't notice any weird look from brusandria um I'm, i need to start kind of more focusing on her because i just normally just use her look at her as like comic relief I don't really pick up on the nuances of our character or what they might be doing mm -hmm. or setting up for later. 
So, you know, I didn't really notice. I did notice that, uh, you know, Lauren and her mom was getting into it. Um, I think that was a, a, a nice balance because I think it's for as posh and proper Lauren, Lauren's mom is supposed to be. She also does a lot of shady stuff, a lot of like stuff that you mm -hmm. should be like below her, especially when um, after the, they finish talking to class and they're about to go to lunch and she makes a comment to Tariq, they wouldn't give your mom a day pass. Uh, like a lady that's facing yeah. murder charges is going to get a day pass. Like, why would you feel that shitty comment right. was appropriate? And why would you say that to a a, a kid who's 18, uh, who is, for all intents and purposes, an orphan and struggling to kind of survive in this environment? And you just want those dirt on his name? So I, I thought that was a little bit, you know, too petty and too shady. Um, especially for this lady that's supposed to be like, oh, I'm so smart and, you know, hoity-toity. So... That was kind of my thoughts of that whole yeah. classroom environment, everything associated with that. I feel that. Um, I like the fact that the it all it all you know, like I said, it all boils down to the truth and how people can't be trusted with the truth, um, which is a roundabout way of him saying this is why I lie and this is why people lie, because as much as people think they can handle the truth. Like the, you know, famous quote says, in most cases, you can't handle the truth, um, which, you know, you, that that brings up the, you know, the back and forth stuff. And, yeah, I totally agree. Um, Lauren's mom and dad, they're they're doing a great job of portraying those, you know, those bougie black people that, you know, either never had to, like, deal with the real world or they they made it out the real world. They made it out of circumstances and were so happy that they it made them numb to to reality because they really do treat Tariq like he is that he is Jamal, that little kid that needs help with everything and is just a delinquent. Although, you know, granted, they don't know he is into some delinquency at the moment. But still, the dude, you know, he's an intelligent kid. He's in that school, obviously. So, you know, he deserves to be there. Um, but I, I do like the fact that even though they're they're slightly beefing, um, Lauren knows that her parents tend to overdo it. So uh, speaking of parents, shout out to Lunell, Mama Spank, um, with the with the, the R.I.P. Spanky shirt, which who knows? I feel like at some point someone is going to that's going to be one of them bootleg T-shirts you're going to see on the Internet at some point. And grimy two bit. Um, this was a, a an interesting scene because he does something that Tommy would have done, and technically Tommy did. He went to the family member of a person he helped get killed, and pretty much told him like, "I'm here for you. I got you." And I'm I'm glad that uh her mom, excuse me, that Spank's mom, because I I don't think I got her actual name. Um. But she kind of presses him out like, yeah, they people been saying he's a snitch. You know anything about that? And, you know, I'm glad she still obviously was going to hold her son down. But um, after 2-Bit gives her the money for a brief second, you're like, okay, maybe 2-Bit isn't a complete dirtbag. But then it ends with this smirk. And it's like, well, what angle are you playing? What what did you think about that scene? Oh, yeah. First, yeah, definitely shout out to Lunel. I love me some Lunel. So I was, I was, uh, Pleasantly surprised when I saw her um, show up at Spank's mom. Um, yeah, I, I felt the same way that you felt. It's like, because he knows 
for a fact that Spank is a snitch. So the, the, I don't understand what his motivation is to even go visit his mom. Um, like he knows Spank is not like secretly hiding, so he, it's not like he's going there to track down or to see what she knows about his whereabouts or something like that. It's confirmed that the man is dead. Um, so I, I, I think he may have just been being a good guy, um, even though he had the weird smirking and then the fact that, and I say that because maybe Spank and Tui Snitch was his right hand man. I'm pretty sure he spent a lot of time. Uh, hanging around that house, they seem to know each other since they were young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as as the mom kind of welcomed them in and, and embraced them when she saw him. So I think he may, even though he was involved in um, telling Tommy about Spank snitching, and that led to his death. I think he still may just have genuine love for the mom. So he may have just went to check on her, um, and then you know the creepy smile just might just be him being creepy. He's just a creepy dude. And he was, you know, also his next mission. His natural. Yeah, it might just be his natural reaction. His natural face. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, they're just my oh, two cents. I think that he may have just legitimately want to look out for the mom because she may have looked out for him in the past. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that's her only kid. They don't make it True known that. if that's her, her only kid or not, but maybe she don't have nobody else to look out for. So he on kind of have a surrogate mom, even though her son did do him dirty in a sense. So that's all I think there yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully, maybe time will tell, and you might be right. He might just have rest and creep face. Um, who knows? Uh, so from there, we get Zeke being real bold and a tad bit reckless, um, busting up in Carrie's office, calling her by her first name. And um, in short, I think I like this scene because. It, Zeke, although is a somewhat classic jock, he's a classic jock with feelings. Like he he actually has layers. He has, you know, the things that he's anxious about and he's fearful of. And he's actually taking, despite appearances, he's actually taking his future seriously. And the fact that he's he's got some insecurities about whether or not he can make it and make things work for his family. I, I like that you you get a bit more of a softer look into that because you know I'm pretty sure we've all seen those those sports movies where um, athlete name whoever is he's clearly doing this so he can make better for his family but it's always this hard edge I gotta do this for my family and that's it who cares about me and what I'm thinking it's for my family but they give us a different look with that with Zeke like Zeke's bringing a little more substance what what did you think about that scene um yeah i mean i liked how zeke was kind of vulnerable and it's showing that you know even if you are like put on a pedestal and you are you know looked at as this special person because you can you know play a sport very well that doesn't mean you don't have your own insecurities and own um things that keep you anxious or, or worked up um and i also didn't hate uh, Professor Milgram, what's the Milgram in this? Um, I think I like Milgram, yeah. Milgram. I feel like this, this whole thing with making her like this sex addict and sleeping with Zeke is just stupid. I think I would have liked her better as just like this role that she played in this thing where she's not trying to sleep with him, but she is doing her job as a professor or a, I don't know, she's like his counselor or whatever, she's advisor and just telling him, hey, it's you know, you know, be yourself, relax, calm down. And you can achieve like your goals. So I liked her in that. I, I wish we can kind of just erase all this weird stuff about her sleeping with students and 
being a sex fiend or whatever she is and just kind of let her really just be like this um advisor role that's helping these kids kind of go through through college especially they want to kind of mix this college into it as much as they've been doing um but you know of course they already did the sex stuff and all that so you can't go back but i prefer if they just kept her in this kind of role giving advice to yeah. Tariq, right. giving advice to zeke uh giving advice to the other people too lauren if they want to bruce chandra whoever it may be I, I i think i would like that a lot better i totally feel that so uh speaking of lauren we get the the scene that you mentioned of um lauren's mom and dad being shady this then leads them back to Tariq's room uh because he's been invited to lunch and um she you know lauren wants answers and Tariq had the perfect valid response uh you literally broke up with your boyfriend hours ago um asshole valid valid no matter how much he consented how much he she would have you know she was in for it he's the villain in that move a- anyone who hears that story he's the villain so I, I appreciate him approaching it from that angle obviously we know that he was hiding a, a bloodstained shirt um so who knows it's possible that had there not been a bloodstained shirt he might have decided to be the asshole uh that being said speaking of assholes knock at the door and Effie walks up into this room like she's been in every single episode up to this point wow what did you think of the return of Effie as if she lived next door yeah I, I still understand like some of the, the decisions they decided to make as far as writing staff because it's like why you would you would believe that Effie had been doing well doing whatever she had been doing in the time that she was away from Tariq and, and Braden and all of them. So why all of a sudden would she pop up and need help from Tariq? Like, she has no other drug connections, no other connects that she could have been working with in this entire time, that she was clearly being a drug dealer without his help. So I didn't understand why, um, other than to bring her back into the show, why she would seek out his help in this particular situation with this endeavor that she was in, that she was getting into. Um, the second part of it is, I think it's just kind of part of her her character. Like she clearly came into a room. Tariq has a lady guest in there, and she made it seem like she owned the place. Like um, so, I think that was just kind of part of them showcasing that she has this confidence about her, even though we see she's not as confident as she appears late in the episode when things don't exactly go the way she wants them to go. Um, but I think that was just a part of that, just building her character. Is just like I don't give a shit, uh, you know, shit kind of woman. Uh, uh, I'm, you know, if people gonna be mad about what I do, they just gonna be mad. So I think that was just part of all that. And as you saw, she kind of dominated the room when she came in. I think she even told Lauren. I, I forgot what she she said something to her slick, uh, and then Lauren left upset. So, um, I don't understand why she would come back, but it was nice to see Effie again. And uh, I liked how this episode kind of played out her and gave some nuance to her, other than being the girl who ratted on Tariq and got him kicked out of college all very valid because and you're absolutely right because up until this point her character was not fleshed out um she was just a girl who was in maybe three episodes of the first series and her biggest moment was kissing Tariq and then and ratting him out within probably the same episode um so yeah very good point I, I kind of I did not pick up on that that uh he 
this this was a good way to flesh her out. Um, but yeah, that it was. I was like, wow, she she coming in here guns blazing. Um, but if that's who she is, then that's what's up. That's who she is. Um, again, <laughs> another another one of his classmates who somehow got to Yale early because clearly Braden and Tariq did. Um, I think that's going to be one of the, the benefit things of people who watch the show, who watch the series starting with this particular series. They're just going to see Tariq and Braden as college kids. And then they're going to go back and hopefully watch the first series and be like, how did these kids skip senior year in the middle of it? Not, not one kid, not two, but three of these kids. Um, so funny things to think about for the future. Um, two bit is on the campus and ironically runs into Lauren and her, and her parents. Um, I don't know what that was. Maybe I'm or I'm reading into it, but a part of me feels like th- him and Lauren are going to cross paths again. It was just something about the looks. It was something about the interaction. Um, especially now that he's kind of laid the, the line that like, quote unquote, I'm, I'm his cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if, if somehow she gets caught up in, in the, the mess that is two bit. Um, so this gives way. There's a brief scene with, with, uh, Jabari being a, you know, struggling writer, uh, being pressed out by, um, black man in a suit. Mm-hmm. Um, do we need to get into that? I don't feel like I we need to get into yeah, that. I'm good. Okay. It, it didn't, it, yeah. it didn't add anything to the episode. Um, so two bit then finds Tariq his, uh, in his dorm room immediately presses him out. Uh, and I, one thing that they got to stop doing, um, they did it once when Kane ran up on, um, the brothers Weston, uh, shout out to burn notice. Um, but they got to stop pulling these guns on these kids in the dorm because they're not going to fire shots in these dorms and expect to get out. Mm-hmm. So it's like flash your guns, but like these putting the guns in their faces, it's like, it's, it's not going to happen. But uh, yeah, two bit doing a whole bunch running up on this man while he's getting ready for his next class and tells him, I want, I, I want to be taken care of. Your dad promised me something, which super unreasonable how are you gonna run up on this man's son when you know his dad is dead mm-hmm. and really trying to you know extort him like immediately at that that was the crazy part that that's one thing that i i hate in tv shows and is when you know the villain makes an unreasonable demand it's like that's that's not that's not gonna happen come on man like that much money tomorrow like he's lucky it was you know for TV, but like I hate that. Um, but what did you think of that scene? Uh, yeah, Alexa, I don't really understand what Two Bit thinks he get he's getting all this money from. I guess he just assumed because Ghost had money that the kid automatically has it. Um, but yeah, I I, I don't understand. Two Bit knows the mom's on trial, so he knows he ain't got money that way. I don't understand why he would rush straight to Tariq and demand that he pay Ghost's Ghost's debt like. He just has access to this type of stuff, um, so maybe he knows more than he than the TV show has revealed that he knew. But why would he assume Tariq has you know buku dollars? 
to pay out. Um, but I like the scene. I mean, I like the aggressive for two bit. I like um, for this one of the few times Tariq has been um, visibly shook on the show as far mm-hmm. as his interaction with any character. Because most of the time he's pretty you know calm and rational. Um, probably has been this shook since he got beat with them oranges. Um, back in the the old yeah uh, yeah episode. he spends a lot of this episode shook yeah so I, I mean I liked it um, don't understand the motivation but you know the, the scene itself was 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 nicely done and I, I'm enjoying two bit because I thought I thought that you know we talked about it, I think last episode when he or maybe that was two episodes ago when he made that quick appearance like what would be his direction move forward long term yeah. in this show and I guess we see at least for the meantime he's going to be extorting Tariq. Um, does that lead to a business partnership with them down the line? Maybe Tariq does start taking coke off the Tejadas and using two bit as a way to funnel that. Um, we, you know, all we got only time will tell. Yeah, um, not to like doubling back. Not to say I didn't like the scene. It's just one of those things that like when you watch enough TV and movies, I just hate. I hate unreasonable demands. Um, it, it made more sense for him to ask for a week and be like, all right, you got a week. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Um, so we get a real quick scene where, you know, Tariq is clearly panicking and he's trying to figure out what the deal is, how he's going to how he's going to do this and uh, pulls pulls a hair of Mary. Enter Jeffrey Owens, my man, also getting another check real quick. Uh, he's like, hey, man, can I get an advance on my inheritance? Just a little bit. Um to which uh, his name is Daniel Warren mm-hmm. in the TV show. He's like, yeah, nah, I'm afraid I can't do that. Um, but uh, you, you, you know, you get to graduate, right? I, I saw you failed a a paper, which I was like, dang, I didn't know he was he was watching him like that. Let me find out he got access to his blackboard. Like that was scary. Like, what do mm-hmm. you mean? You know, how do you know my my <laughs> in my direct grades? I'm my right. overall grades. You know my assignment grades. What did you think of that little quick uh, Hail Mary immediately yeah. getting swatted down? Uh, I mean, like I said, I didn't understand that part when he was talking about how he knew he felt the paper, but I guess people got these weird connections. Um, but, I mean, it was smarter to read to go. I mean, I, I had a feeling that it wasn't going to work as soon as I saw the lawyer. And I thought it was a weird, weird... Like, when they first said that, he was like, did you graduate already? And I was like, was he... But I can't tell if he's, like, being funny or yeah. is he not being, like... Because play, he plays this thing as, like, really straight. But that's like clearly like kind of a joke. Um, but I, I mean, it was a quick scene. Um, you know, the lawyer didn't really help him at all. The lawyer kind of stuck to his guns. The lawyer's like, "Do you need me to get the authorities involved?" And of course, Tariq was like, "No." When he was like, "You know, stop wasting my time." You like, you get the money when you graduate with three point five, and until then, you know, uh, you know, call me if you need some assistance. But I don't know what exactly the assistance is. But um, good to see my man back working. I know people had clowned on back in the day about working at Trader Joe's or whatever. Um, it's just stupid, you know. We got families to feed, so wherever you work is where you work. Um, but good yeah. for that guy. I'm glad to see he's uh, getting his yeah. chance to kind of get back out there and, um, you know, do his first love, which is, I guess, acting. Yeah. So that scene gives way to Tariq calling moms on her... Um, in their cell phone. Her, her infinite battery. Yeah. Right. Unlimited minutes. Um... And get, trying to get some advice. Like, I need to work with someone I can't trust. And she gives advice of, um, you need to get them to trust you. 
which <laughs> gives way to there's a quick scene that doesn't it it matters but it doesn't matter there's a jabari scene where we find out that uh the paper Tariq wrote while good doesn't help fit it does it doesn't fit the story he's telling um and he finds out that um it it appears that Tariq is in fact not having sex with professor milgram so he's screwed anyway uh we get a <laughs> a, a, a nice opening scene line from effie of nigga are you are you wearing a wire mm-hmm. which was beautifully executed because literally hours ago he was like nah i'm not doing none of that there and um what did you think of this scene i, I want you to tell me what you think thought about this scene in general and the, the conversation I mean, because we, we know we just saw him get the advice from Tasha, so we know Tariq was conning her the whole time. Um, but I think it was good. I mean, he, he played it perfectly. Um, and I'm not saying all women are the same, but a woman will love if you open up, especially as a, uh, and I'm not speaking for all, of course, but as a black guy, um, you know, young black male who we're told not to have feelings and not to be open. If you want to get a woman to get on your team, do what Tariq did in this scene. Talk about how you hurt, how you got hurt in the past. Talk about how you, how you felt like the trust was betrayed, and talk about how damaged you were by her actions. And that's like a green light to get you farther down the line. And in this scene, it worked perfectly for Tariq. Uh, he got her trust immediately. I mean, you know, within the, mm-hmm. the space of five. Ain't only that. Say what? But oh, you said that ain't, like, all, that he ain't all he got. Oh yeah, and then like I think it yeah, was even important. Go ahead. Important. Uh, an important note because we're gonna get to it. An important note to make. He told the truth. He was being totally honest. Everything he said was real. Um, and honestly, he probably never would have told her if he didn't need her. You know. But everything he said was was a hundred percent honest. So he never lied. Um, now he definitely used the truth, which harkens back to our 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 assignment of the week, he used the truth to his advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no, and I was saying, even the thing with the whole gun on the waist, you never seen Tariq run around with no gun on his waist. So, you know, he put all that there for like a right. plant. Um, and, and it worked. Like I said, it, it worked to get gain a trust, and it also worked that, you know, I guess gunplay really turns her on because the next thing you know, uh, she was uh, showing him her gun, then she was in the drawer pulling condoms out, and for the first time ever, nobody knocked at the door. Nobody bothered to read. Yeah, he finally got to complete his mission. I was mission. waiting for it. It's his third girl, <laughs> and I don't know if it was his first <laughs> choice, but he he got him a little boo piece for the um, Effie. Uh, I don't know if this was his first time officially. I don't think we ever gotten to. I know in the past he made out with Effie when they was in choke, but they never really got to. Oh, and he, no, mm-hmm. his first time was with the um. Oh yeah, when he was messing with yeah. Junebug and um, them. Remember Ray when Junebug uh, introduced him to the little cousin? young girl? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, my yeah, bad. yeah. I forgot about that when he was on the lean and yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah. Well, the first time yeah. in Ghost Book Two, but, he, uh, he finally sealed the deal, um, and you know, I wasn't mad at him. Nobody finally cock blocked him. He definitely made. Yeah, he definitely made up for the L's of Sex Week. Um, and I think it was it was tastefully shot. 
um, going right into that happy walk because I knew that walk mm-hmm. uh, in the next scene where he's walking around at night with the hand warm and the and that 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 little smirk on his face got some cutty. Like, I know that walk. Yeah, <laughs> a few minutes ago, um, but yeah, that was well, well. It was tastefully done. It was well done, and just that that transition to I, me. Yeah. I like that too. Um, it was hilarious. Cause we, I, I feel like you know these are young actress actors, and we know in the old power, you know that would have been no, no type oh, yeah. of sex scene. So I think that is oh, yeah. good that they aren't putting these, even though they, are, you know, everybody on the show is over eighteen, but I don't think the audience is ready for like a full on Tariq sex scene. And I think I would look at it like in a comical way, just because you know we kind of grew up with this kid, and yeah, you know you don't really see him, even though we know he's an adult in that kind of role right now. So maybe down the line. Yep. So um, while he's uh, doing his happy walk and uh, going to do business, he's getting stalked by Jabari, the worst professor. Uh, probably, I don't know. He he's up there in uh, television history. Just a weirdo. Um, super weird. Yeah, just super creep. At this point, like like you said, I I enjoyed everything you said about um, Professor Milgram and how she'd be a good figure uh, to be like you know. A good, you know, guidance figure. They've given Jabari a few of those instances, but he's he's now more the balance is off. Like he's now more creep than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't so think they're going. He's on a mission to yeah. to figure out what's going on. No, at this point, he he's probably too damaged. Um, I think, yeah, it, I don't. I don't know. They might. Maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe they won't. Maybe he dies. But um, we get a. We get him pretty much following Tariq to figure out what's going on with him, um, and pretty much just to spy on him because he needs ideas to finish this book uh, because he's already been told that it's you know sort of a a done deal if he can get them a decent ending. Um, this leads to him following Tariq and Tariq reing up with uh with Drew. And uh, pretty much him hearing and seeing a bunch of stuff he should not be hearing and seeing. Yeah. Uh, Monica um, was like, how could he hear ahead. that? Like, does he have super hearing? He was like a good 50 feet away. You know, how did he hear that whole conversation that they had at the door when he was behind a pillar? So, I mean, it, that was just annoying me. He heard too much. I mean, I get it for TV and they want to advance the story, but make it a little bit more realistic he shouldn't have been so far away and been able to hear so clearly about course correct and about the re-up and all the stuff that he's involved in so that the same was irritating me towards the end when he was getting so much information um from so far away it just it, it bothered me um i could see that i think part of it was maybe like you know if there's no one else around and it's just those two talking and there's nothing else going on maybe but still i feel you um so this breaks away to the next day where um we get another look at a tactician and just brilliant at observing people Tariq. um his his rundown of the you know the student body and who who she should target was was just brilliant it was you know well thought out but also, you know, like something he's been he's clearly been working on because he's not only has he been studying the lay of the land, but like 
this is also what he does with his business, his already established business. Um, and we also kind of see that Effie's kind of a good fit for Tariq. She might be the best fit for him. Um, just because she's, she's kind of on his level, like all the way. Um, as far as the school, you know, she, she can relate with him with the school thing and the hustle thing, as opposed to Lauren, who is, she's the best of both worlds. Um, she's essentially the best of both worlds for Tariq. It's just a point of, does he want to be involved with her? Um, what did you think about that scene? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I love the observational skills of Tariq, um, how he was able to pinpoint who needs what and, and break it down to Effie. Uh, I was a little bit off about the fact that she was just openly selling drugs, like out in the open, in the middle of broad daylight, to random people just like, hey, whisp, whisp, you know, like, pss, 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 come over here. I got what you need. You know, that, that kind of stuff just, it takes me out of the show because it's just so unrealistic when it comes to people who will be trying to sell drugs. You just wouldn't be so open and bold with it. Um, at least not if, unless you want to get caught. So that kind of irritated me, but I love, like you said, the Tariq part. When he was just kind of breaking down what he's observed in this time on campus um, and giving her the game as to what's the best way to kind of move this product in this environment. So I, I, I love that part, but I didn't like, you know, the, the way she actually went about selling the drugs. But that's just being nitpicky. Hmm. All right. So this scene gives way to the Weston family. Um, much like we when we're introduced to the sax family it's like yeah it makes perfect sense that sax is the way he is um yeah it makes perfect sense that trace and to a degree Braden is the way that are the way that they are um we get you know just the the stereotypical almost cartoonish like snooty white family mm -hmm. um you know at a dinner table in a, a fancy restaurant trace wiling out because he off them lines mm -hmm. uh the sister who almost seems like the younger sister i believe so talking to brayden huh yeah i think she's younger than him yeah. the, the talking youngest. to brayden like she was older than him um and just you know casually on some drug talk mm -hmm. doing lines before dinner and everything and when when old boy's nose started bleeding i thought it was a wrap for him i thought he was it was gonna be a, a bad situation um, but it wasn't, and this is where Braden makes the, Braden starts connecting dots that someone's selling hard stuff on our turf. Um, any thoughts on that scene? Nah, like I said, I think you pretty much summed it up. Just a, a really over-the-top dysfunctional family. The parents arguing about the dad cheating on the mom, the kids openly admitting to doing drugs and high off their ass. So I think they were just kind of setting the tone of, uh, he just comes from this wacky ass, you know, rich, privileged family, but they just effed up as some family that may be from like a, you know, the ghetto, you know, quote unquote. So I, I guess that's what they were trying to do. Um, but, I, you know, like they said, the biggest thing that came out of the scene is that Braden is on to somebody is doing what he wanted to do, which is sell that white girl. So that's all. I, you know. So from there, mm -hmm. yeah, from there, we find out that Kane really wants Tariq dead. They are sending uh, whatever old boy's name is, half and half, because he's he's disguised as a as a Stansfield student uh -huh. and gave him the, the shiv so he could go up and somehow try and stab, get Tariq alone at this basketball game right. and stab him up. 
That's a ridiculous, um, a horrible plan. <laughs> just from the start, they just for one they sent like uh, his hands is full of tattoos. So and I'm not saying you know college shoes can't have tattoos, but they dress him up in this weird face paint. I don't know how they expect him to find Tariq or how to even know Tariq is even going to the back. Maybe maybe Kane know Tariq is going to the basketball game because maybe Tariq had told him he was going to meet them at the game or something. But that's what I was thinking. The plan made no sense to start with. Um, and then they give him a random shiv and he's supposed to hunt a guy down and find a, a quiet place to stab him up on the middle of, of a busy-ass college campus when I guess it's like one of the biggest games of the year. Um, so it was just ridiculous and silly. Um, but it showed, I guess, Kane's how far Kane has gone in his um, his hatred of Tariq. Um, even though it doesn't really make any sense because Tariq hasn't really done anything but help their family when they've been going through a tough time moving their product. Um, but you yeah. know, his jealousy of thinking he's being replaced just, I guess, pushed him to the edge, and he went straight to straight up let's murder this guy. And um, you know, it's using yeah. GTGs the pawns to do it. Um. Yeah. Nothing more to be said. Um. And we'll get into <laughs> how the plan actually unfolds a little later. But first, we get Monet being a smiling, supportive parent to Zeke. <laughs> Not her own kids, but I was like, "Who is this? Who is this lady?" Like she's she's caring and and nurturing and so you know supportive but not double-edged supportive like she he's been with drew and diana like she's actually smiling a little bit uh and this of course comes after the um the awkward meeting yeah of uh professor milgram because she definitely wasn't smiling when they were having um, that little conversation that shit was not way off at all she <laughs> Straight up, like was this the was this the professor that put you on academic prevent uh, suspension? I was right. like, whoa! Like, if she is, what, you gonna shoot her here? There's people here, mm-hmm. man. What did you think of that? And uh, pretty much the scene involving um, the warm up, um, and you know, to, not to excuse me, Zeke showing us a little more, more of that depth, as well as um, uh, Drew seeing his man Ev. Out there on the court. Uh, so when they was kind of getting to the point where they were, uh, I, I thought she had given the gift and everything, and just like that part of it. Um, I mean, I, I think like you were saying, it is weird how how much Monet supports Zeke, um, and doesn't want him a part of anything other than playing basketball. But I think that's still only for selfish reasons. I think if uh, Zeke tore his ACL tomorrow or couldn't shoot, broke his arm, whatever it was, I think she would be just as dismissive. Um, to his feelings as everybody else. But she sees him as a meal ticket in case, and she even said it. Um, I think she says it later to Drew. You know, he's our insurance policy in case his drug thing don't work out for us no more. Um, so I think she just kind of sees him as a, as, as a dollar sign. And so she is doing her best to keep him uninvolved and happy as long as he could be that potential dollar sign. Um, and if that goes away, I would like to see how her response is to him. Is, is is she more now he got to earn his keep in this family by doing whatever, what the rest of the family does or is she still going to be as open to him exploring other options so I, I like to see if they do build this Zeke storyline um, how it goes when it comes to that, that aspect of it because I think it would be too easy just to make him go to the league and be like a star I think like some type of weird mm. thing has to happen to put him at odds with his family 
I think that in once we get to that point, I think that I have a small theory that of what could possibly happen. Um, but yeah, very valid point. Um, I never even considered that, but I could see her doing what you said. And uh, as soon as he's of no use, like if he, if he, you know, goes down with an injury or something like that, she just kicking him to the curb. Um, yeah, I could, I could definitely see her doing that. Um, so in the midst of all this, there's a really brief scene where Braden pretty much tells Tariq like, yo, somebody's selling on our turf. Um, and we need to do something about it. We need to figure out who it is, which it's in line with what they did with the other dude when they were trying to get him out of the way. Um, you know, there's a problem. Let's handle it. Uh, but Tariq taking after his father is treating Braden like Tommy. Stay in your lane. This is what we do. Don't worry about it. All the while lying to his face. Um, craziness that he he is his he's his dad's son in so many ways um any any thoughts on that before we get back to the uh the basketball game no not really i think you pretty much summed it up pretty good the only thing i have like written down is that i don't understand why Braden automatically jumped to thinking effie was on campus because he like or he like bought her up randomly like she could be possibly the one selling drugs um but i don't understand why and maybe maybe only because I guess he knows she goes to the opposite school they were playing. And I didn't even realize that yeah. until late in the episode. So maybe that's why he thought Effie might be around. And I may not have yeah, been paying attention fully. Yeah, he did mention that. He he does kind of mention that. Like, like, you know what? It would make he was like, it would make sense. You know, she does go to Yale. Um and I think he kind of knows that she's in she's in the business. She's in the business too. Um but even Tariq again lying, just kind of played it off because he was like, you know, I would, you would think that she'd have called us and let us know that she was in town or, or whatever. Cause him wanting to, to a degree, see the best in people. Uh, but yeah, during this basketball game upon Tariq's entrance, he, he, he immediately, <laughs> he immediately makes the guy that's been sent there, uh, by his shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking, his I'm thinking his his logic was like ain't nobody on this campus rocking kicks like that like these kids ain't these kids are too square for that that was my my logic on that um but yeah the the assassination intent just goes left super fast like I mean it's the most awkward thing I've ever seen he just starts chasing Tariq while there's people around right. and Tariq takes off running um, and no one at no, at no point, no one goes, Hey, what in this, this white school, mm-hmm. Hey, uh, maybe we should investigate this. What'd you, <laughs> what did you think no, about I thought the that? same thing. It's like, Oh my God. Two black guys running through the halls uh, of this. Uh, uh, I'm about to, I don't know why I say auditorium, uh, wherever they played the basketball game at uh, the it's not a stadium. The, it's not a gym exactly either. Anyway, like two black kids just running through this yeah. place, clearly chasing each other, and no white person is like, what's going on? Or no security guard is like, that's out of, that's weird, and tries to stop him. So already it was like, this is this is just really bizarre. Um, and then, you know, as we kind of go through into the next scene, all of a sudden, um, you know, Tariq and the guy, Tariq getting his ass whooped. I thought Tariq could fight, but apparently he couldn't. 
Um, and then like two big comes out of nowhere and just cracks the guy over the head and then just drowns him openly in this pool. And I'm like, this just is not making any sense to me. I gotta say knocking the guy out or doing something, to, but to just drown him and leave him there, it, it was just odd to me. Um, I didn't like the execution of how they handled the two bit save and also what they did with the body. You know, just killing him, leaving him there, and just kind of walking away. Um, you know, of course it doesn't go back on anybody, but it was just odd to me. Um, what'd you think of it all? Uh, everything you said. And then it was just like these G2G cats, they, they not, um, they, they're, they're only built for the street stuff because they've already botched, um, a robbery. And now they didn't sent this dude in for an assassination. Like he was an operative and that that backfires he ends up dead just wild and two bit being the grimy dude that he is now wants more money uh because you know of course why not uh um but yeah i i doubt highly that there wouldn't be cameras in this holy toady school right um and how so, does Tariq know, know that the cameras are down in the pool area? That's a weird... He was just like, no, the cameras are down here. Like, how right. would you... What student knows where the cameras are down or not down? They don't put out no bulletin. Nobody will put out a bulletin that cameras aren't working somewhere because that's inviting people to do something bad there. So I, it, it didn't make right. Unless sense. Unless that's one of those... those unless that's one of those student things where it's just like, you know, you know where the blind spots are. Because that was a thing um, <laughs> at my school. Like certain people knew which buildings you could get into after hours and which buildings didn't have a ton of security. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they go up there and do stuff. So I, that I, I, I kind of could believe that. Um, but there was a real funny thing that we kind of overlooked uh, before Tariq leaves to go and meet up with uh, two bit. He asked if anybody needs anything. And Diana says a bottle of water. And this man, Kane, asks for the whole left side of the menu. Um <laughs> Doesn't offer to pay. Right. Like, give me some nachos and fries. And then he looked kind of disgusted. And a whole bunch of other at, stuff. At Tariq. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that Tariq came back with just the water was hilarious to me. Yeah. He told me it was oh, sold man. out. They were sold out. Apparently, they orange soda. I think he wanted orange sodas, nachos, and a pretzel. And he was like, nah, they sold out. Um, and then I, at that point, I think Kane was you know shocked that he even came back. Um, cause he hadn't gotten the text yeah. message from Guap saying that basically we're going to clip you because you got our boy killed. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if that was smart or dumb. Um, f- going back to two bit real quick. Cause when they got the message from the guy's phone asking if they, the hit was complete two bit sent back a message of at first. I thought he was trying to say that, um, they got him and that was kind of the throw off I the thought. scent, but apparently he was just sending back a message that no, we got your boy. Um, and I think that could, uh, well, you know, two player party wasn't thinking the whole thing out, but like, why give up the information that we got your boy as opposed to keeping it quiet that I'm dead. And then we can kind of figure out who did this and maybe get a plan to kind of stop them. Um, so it was weird. And then of course, Kane gets a text message basically saying, look, you got a boy killed. Now you next on our hit list. Um, so I liked, um, uh, and I got my notes. I'm sorry. But I liked how uh, Kane tried to play it off 
um, that he was yeah. shocked that Tariq was still alive, and then he goes up and gets the call and calls. He and then he automatically straight gives away his his involvement by calling the number, knowing that the person who now my mind is getting all messed up because it's like you know at this point that the person who killed the guy has the phone. Why would you call them up and give away your 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 voice to him? So now Tariq knows that you did it because who else will have the phone but Tariq since the guy was sent there to kill Tariq like no random stranger didn't kill this guy even though we know Tubit killed him he doesn't know that he would assume Tariq did it so why would he call Tariq up and say I'm a you're dead or whatever he said to him it didn't make sense it was it was it's messing my mind up even thinking about it right now wait 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 you think he called Tariq he did call Tariq no 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 he called the burner phone Yes, that they, that but he, who else that would have it? Dude, he didn't. He doesn't know Tariq has it. But who would he think like? Has he just it? thinks. Who does he think killed anyone, the guy that was after Tariq? Not, not Tariq, because otherwise he he smashes on Tariq right then and there, or at least right after that game. Like, no, he he just thought somebody else got dude. Uh, that's what like, he thinks. That's weird. Like, why would a he just think someone else gets? Yeah. He just thinks somebody else got dude. You know, GTG got problems, you know, as is. Um, or someone was watching Tariq and got their dude. Like, so, and plus, you know, he can't fully in, involve himself, you know, and let Tariq know. Because to, to, from what he thinks, he doesn't know Tariq knows. You know what I mean? So, yeah, Tariq just took, Tariq took the, uh, the burner phone because he was going to hope it, it traced back to somebody. But yeah, it's a mess. The whole thing is a mess. Speaking of a mess, Effie thinking she feeling like she got stood up, just decides to go nuclear on Tariq. Right. Um, <laughs> tells him to fuck, fuck off, suck my dick, all yeah. this. Then of course, when she runs into Braden, just blows everything up. Um, granted she has no reason not to she already got paid um, but she she felt played um, which is just, it's bad luck because I think Tariq was feeling her and I think Tariq was going to link back up with her but I mean if I someone just tried to kill me five minutes ago it, it's time to lay low mm -hmm. you know what I mean um, yeah, I mean, this is another thing I didn't understand. I'm, I, I didn't even cut you off, but this is another thing I didn't understand. I did not understand her reaction. Because, um, okay, he told you he had some stuff to do about the game. You know, he goes to the school. He's, it's not like he just ignored her. He just said something came up. I can't link up with you right now. So for her to go straight to this nuclear status of being extremely pissed off and F him and all that because he just couldn't meet you really quickly, I didn't understand, especially when they were just playing house that same morning. So, to mm -hmm. me, it was an overreaction. I didn't understand her reaction at all. Um, and then, of course, like you said, it leads to the thing where she blows the spot to Brayden. Now, that part I can understand because she doesn't have no reason to hide, keep a secret from Brayden. I don't know if Tariq told her. I don't know if Tariq even told her that. Tariq told her he was out of the game altogether. And then he said, okay, I need this quick money. So, she doesn't know that him and Brayden still have um, their illegal dealings. So, for her to tell the... the, the I guess she didn't really tell the truth. The sister blew up the spot about the selling the coke, right? Because the sister was like, oh, you sold me the coke before, and now you got any more. Um, she didn't have to involve Tariq. But 
to me, it was another scene that was just frustrating me and is making me just kind of all over the place because I just didn't understand her reaction to him being like, yo, I can't meet up with you later. I got something going on. Why was she so mad? Like, what was the purpose of her being so angry? I think they just wanted her to be petty. Like, I think I think she thought she had it like that. Like, he was going to drop what he was going to do and link up with her right then and there. Um, And when that didn't happen, she was like, all right, well, let me show you who's in charge here. And she just flipped the table. Um, And th- this could be, you know, this could be in, in a character insight that, you know, the the real Effie is like she's patient and you know she she's about business but also like when they started mixing business and pleasure like granted like you said just this morning um it's a little it's a little off you know to expect all that you know that that level of devotion it's been barely 24 hours you know what I mean um and I don't know I guess she she expected a certain level of possibly obedience maybe um who knows but but i think it also yeah, shows it, all that ego yeah, she had with Warren is is a it's kind of a facade oh yeah you know, when she was like i'm the big bitch when i came in the room you know i'm the top dog it shows that uh even a small lack of not getting the attention or the affection she thinks she deserves sent her into a spiral so you know i think she puts off this strong confident thing because of the line of work and um, that she does, and also because she is somebody who is from a lesser background, who is in these Ivy Leagues and has to be, you know, she can't look weak. She got to look like she's always on point. And I think that shows that, you know, behind the scenes, she really is a fragile, emotional creature. And the little, even slight disc kind of just sent her into a rampage. Yeah. Because I think, especially after, uh, after you know banging out on Lauren like that, it if if it's if it's her, and she finds out like yeah she she he blew me off to go hang out with her, that would be a, a huge spike to her ego, because that would yeah that would super hurt especially you know after you really dunked on her on your first meeting, um that would that'd be a rough that'd be a rough sore spot, um. But, you know, hopefully we'll get that answer in the next episode. Um, well, speaking of rough spots, we get a very complex, very well done scene with Drew and Ev, which I think I'm glad that the writers and I hope because I haven't I don't look at too many like Internet uh, responses um, but I hope people are mature enough to appreciate what's happening with this storyline. Um, Cause it's not your typical, you know, show the world who you are and be who you are, who you really are thing. Um, it's a, it's a really dope spin on it because like I, like I said, and you know, try not to give the whole spiel again. Everett, Everett's in a really, rough spot his dream is to play in the nba and who knows maybe who knows maybe this storyline softens the nba's stance and i'm not saying that the nba as an association is against homosexuals i'm talking about nba fans and supporters um 
who have yet to really um, display tolerance for it. Um, because the the jokes Chris Bosh got, and he won't even gay. I I could I could only imagine in this crazy world we live in, you know, the persecution and actual um, gay basketball player in the NBA who's out. Excuse me, because I honestly think that there might be there might have been if there aren't um, a few in the league as we speak, um, if not back in the day, but like just proudly out um, would have faced. Um, so, like, I, I appreciate the complexity of this this particular storyline and how it's not that cut and dry. It's not cut and dry at all. Like this man has to he's in a position where in order to succeed and live his dream he has to keep a big part of himself a secret because at this moment in time, the world is not ready for it. It is not. And if it is, it hasn't proven that it's ready for it. So what did you think of that scene leading into the confrontation outside? Um, I, I, I'm kind of torn on these particular scenes um, just because in the sense that I feel like they make Drew so pushy about it. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, we, I like to be, uh, you know, we're allies to the uh, LGBT community, but neither one of us are like a part of the community. So I don't know how important it is or if it is in bad taste to try to pressure a person into coming out of the closet. Like Everett clearly has expressed to Drew multiple times. I'm not ready to do it um, for whatever his reason is. Is it because uh, he wants to be in the NBA and they don't accept, you know, gay players or maybe he's just not ready or comfortable when I feel like Drew is always kind of pushing on him that he needs to be open about the relationship because because Drew wants to be open about the relationship and Drew doesn't want to have to hide the fact because Drew doesn't have to hide the fact. Drew is not within a family or a community that forces him to hide that fact but Everett unfortunately is but I feel like Drew is constantly pushing on him to open up their relationship to outside people and to kind of like force him out of the closet and I think that is you know something that's definitely like if if it's not it should be frowned upon like you shouldn't ever force a person to reveal stuff they aren't comfortable with especially if for if the so if the if the driving force is your own wanting to be free like because you can stop dating everett you don't have to date everett if you're not comfortable with him not being comfortable coming out then stop dating him stop being involved in yourself with him but you can't stay in his life want to be a part of his life and then try to force him outside of his comfort zone if he's not ready to do that. So I don't like Drew. I, while I do enjoy the scene, I enjoy um, the interactions. I enjoy Everett's explanation of it all. I don't like Drew being so pushy with the fact um, that Everett should just be like more open and just kind of free. Um, mm-hmm. th- that's my only downside about it or about the scene itself is that I think Drew is too pushy. But I, I, you know, I like their um, storylines. I like, um, like you said, um, Everett. I understand his rationale. I understand all of that, um, and I understand that, that I think they work well um, across each other as well, as far as just kind of acting and showing the emotions, and that they do have feelings for each other. Um, I wish they could just dial Drew back a little bit when it comes to, like trying to force this guy to admit things that he's not ready to admit. Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. But and you know, of course, us being on the outside, we don't only respect really speculate. But I have to imagine that the the character Drew is portraying in that sense, I feel like that has to probably be a real thing of one person, one person, 
being ready to, you know, tell the world and the other person having their reasons, um, whether valid um, or they feel invalid as to not being ready and or wanting to wait a bit. Um, so, like, who knows, like, the way that certain other, like, other aspects of this show and other shows um, explore, like, the the downsides to certain aspects of um i think i worded that wrong um i think this who this could possibly be something within that community that is a problem that maybe needs to be portrayed um so you know unfortunately or not unfortunately but we can only speculate on that but one thing I do like is that every time, even when he has his pushy moments, every time Everett explains where he's coming from, Drew always takes a step back and like processes it. Like, yeah, you you know, he, he, he steps back and is like, yeah, you're right. You know, he never full out says like I'm bugging or anything like that. But you, you see him processing where Everett's coming from. And to a degree, he could be kind of self-examining like yeah i might have messed up on that um which is kind of illustrated as they're they're leaving the club um which uh the the one of the things i wanted to point it on i wanted to point on in beginning to my original point was um everett on top of all the other things that he's dealing with he's 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 on the front line of the pressure of masculinity um, being forced to talk to those girls uh, and his teammates noticing like noticing and commenting on his quote unquote lack of sex life with women, um, which is something that across the board, we, we men have to stop doing uh, using our knowledge of our friends, sex lives as uh, a means to joke um, for, you know, whether they be straight and just not want to be active or in Everett's case, him seeming like he's not active because he's in the closet. Um, either way, it's it, it was none of their business, and it's it's a it it comes off as you know just a thing that guys do, but it's it clearly is something that bothers Everett because, like most people, he's going through things that we don't know. Um, so I'm step off my soapbox for a second, and uh, we're gonna keep it moving. Uh, things get hot real quick. Uh, we get Guap uh, pretty much ambushing these dudes and um, threatening to put one in Zeke's knee. And you see Zeke's life flashing before his eyes. Um, Drew steps up, rationally negotiates um, a bit of some, some calmness before Guap, you know, who is pretty much operating under his code, you know, gives his stance. But one thing we we make very, very clear in this scene, Drew is very much built for this. I, I feel like I may have said it in past episodes that he wasn't built for this. We know Monet has said that he's not built for this. Drew is very much built for this. He just doesn't really want it. Um, what did you think of that scene? Oh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, as you saw, you know, they always... And I, I think we discussed this a long time ago, how they were um, kind of downplaying Drew 
and I I thought they were, in my opinion, downplaying him or kind of making him like the soft brother because he because he was the gay brother. Um, but if if you saw in this scene, you know, there's nothing soft about him. Just because he isn't as um, reckless as Kane is, doesn't mean that when it's time to put in work that he won't, you know, do his job or he can't be super aggressive. Um, because you know, as you saw in this scene, not only did he save um, Zeke from getting shot in the knee, he also followed it up while beating Guap pretty badly um, and probably would have killed him if Zeke hadn't stopped him because he hit, you know, at that point he had the gun to, to uh, Guap's face before Zeke kind of snapped him out of his rage and kind of brought him back to like, yo, we in the middle of the street, chill out, um, you know, calm it down. Um, so I, I liked how, and, uh, you know, we'll talk about it also in the scene where Monet explains what happened. I'm not Monet. Drew explains what happened to Monet. Um, how Let's get into it. How she's also seeing him in a different light, because I think either she, um, you know, she heard the story. She he explained it what what he did. He also explained because this is after he had followed. He found Queen, and he had uh, basically told Kane what had happened to Zeke, and he put Kane on a mission to 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 end his GT in this GTG thing. Um, and I think she really respected his leadership. She respected his growth, and I think where she was less likely to make Drew like um, the head of the family. I think this kind of set in her eyes that Drew could be the top Tahada and make Kane even more expendable. What did you think about it? found out very, very yeah, much so. Um, but yeah, like you said, um, it... Yeah, Kane... I mean, not Kane. Uh, Drew, Drew's been ready. He, he just... He just really doesn't want this, um, but you know, leading up to that, like he he not only tells Monet what happened, and you know, uh, gets blamed for what Kane actually did, as far as making things hot with GTG. Um, he goes and tracks down Kane, and that was hilarious. Like that scene was hilarious, where he knocks on Shorty's door. And she tries to play it <laughs> like he's not there. And once he lays down the uh, what's really going on, uh, <laughs> she folds on Kane quick. <laughs> Kicks him out the house, tells him to take the Tims with him. And, you know, like they said, like you said, they had that talk, you know. And as we've said, Drew's built for this. Granted, Kane was going to do once he found out what happened. He was going to, you know, because that's still his family he was going to go and take care of GTG anyway, but like this was like the, the icing on the cake, you know, it was like, yeah, Drew, Drew's the next man up. Um, what, you know, when it's time it's, it's going to be Drew rather than Kane, um, which, you know, we're going to get some, some Shakespearean stuff at some point. Uh, but yeah, things, things are, are starting to get heavy. Things are starting to get real heavy. Uh, we get Tariq calling moms, panicked. Well, you know, rightfully so. Somebody just tried to kill him. Uh, two bit, trying to squeeze him for money. And uh, Tasha calls an audible um, and does what she can do from where she's at to try and protect Tariq. And. Um, Rolls rolls the dice on calling Lorenzo directly. 
and tells him like, look, I know your family. Now, you know my, and you already know my family. So if something happens, something happens. So what did you think of Tasha uh, trying to put in that call on, on uh, Lorenzo? Like, do you think that was a, a smart move? Do you think it's dangerous considering his, his reach across jails? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a bold move on her behalf, but I think it was the only move she really had um, because she uh, rightly assumed that, you know, anything, anybody trying to kill her son has to do with his involvement in this family. They're not killing him because he's like a, a, a good college student. Um, so she, you know, took a calculated risk, and I think it ultimately ended up paying off because um, as Lorenzo kind of listened to what she had to say, and he clearly reached out to Monet to trying to figure out what the, what the situation was and, you know, make it known that Tariq is not being hunted by this family and they didn't, they don't want him dead. They being Lorenzo and Monet. Um, so I think Tasha did what she had to do as a mom to protect her son. Uh, something that she hasn't always, in my opinion, um, done a great job of doing or her protection is usually some type of thing that's really just selfish for her to get what she wants. But I think in this situation, she really was legitimately looking out for the best interests of her son by trying to um, get who she thinks is the threat off his back. So, you know, I got to give Tasha her credit on that one. She did a good job. Yeah. Um, So like you said, this scene gives way to Monet connecting the dots about what happened at the pool and what happened with uh with GTG and you know giving Drew his props for taking the heat for his brother but also calling the shots uh to to end to end GTG and um that ends with the stinger of that being the last thing Kane does for this family mm-hmm. so Kane is out which Wow. You know what I mean? Like I that was the last thing I saw coming this soon, at the very least. Uh Monet pretty much turning her back on her son like that. Um any thoughts on that in particular? Um no. I mean no, uh, we, we can kinda of talk about it more in when we get to the last scene. So I think the last scene really shows that she that he's out of the the family. Um, you know, because this still has this one still had a transition where they still show Kane kind of um, going to Jason Bourne shit and like uh, yeah. cutting power lines and shooting in the dark with expert precision. You know, shooting the guy in the head from pretty far away in, in pitch black. Um, <laughs> another thing that was just weird about the scene was like, when did GTG turn into three guys? Like, where's the rest of GTG? Why is nobody else around? <laughs> uh, even in the scene back when they were attacking Zeke, it was those same two guys, but they only had one gun. Like, <laughs> it, it, so it's just really weird how they they don't really do a great job of making GTG this menacing group um, that it should be. Um, but I think, uh, you know, after Kane does kill the first two guys, this is setting up Kane's expansion into his own independent enterprise. Well, he's going to be using GTG yeah. as the base for whatever he's going to make his street legacy be. Um, so it's going to be good. I mean, interesting to see how that turns out. Um, 
and then uh, you know, I don't know if you have any comments on this scene because I'm about to go into the scene where we have like the emotional kind of goodbye between uh, when when Kane learns he's out of the family because um, this time he doesn't know he's out of the family just yet. Right now he thinks he's handling the business that he's supposed to handle and eliminating this GTG threat. Um, but the real the real him getting put out happens when he comes when he tries to come back okay. home. Okay. Um, I thought it was a good action scene. Um, it because it had enough action and like a, a a little bit of comedy in there. Um, I think where we see Tariq being Ghost's kind of you know strategic side, as well as like his way to kind of you know his ability to lie to people, um, especially women. Uh, we see that the kind of the like Jason Bourne tactician type of side of, of ghost they're portraying in Kane. So like, I'm kind of glad that, uh, Tariq is, he doesn't have all, he doesn't have it all. He's not like, you know, the perfect, uh, action leading male. Um, I'm glad that, you know, we see Kane being smart. He, you know, he's got aim, but like the <laughs> old boy with the cell phone flashlight, I was like, this is, that's not smart. Like you, you're pretty much putting a target on your back, on your forehead, which he gets popped through his forehead. Um, but yeah, like you said, um, and I think we, one of us, if not both of us kind of called it that at some point he was going to kind of use GTG as his, his street soldiers, like his, his force. Um, because they're all afraid of him. And now, you know, WAP is under his thumb because he's letting him live. Uh, for a price, of course, uh, but I'm I'm also glad that he he at least pistol whipped him. He he should have gave him a few more licks though, uh, for for you know violating Zeke like that. Um, but yeah, go ahead and take us through that, take us through that last scene. I mean, so you know, we just basically get Kane thinking everything is sweet. He tries to come to come back, you know, to the Sahara household, and he's met at the door by Diane. Um, and, and to me, this was kind of um, the. I think this was kind of cruel on the part of Monet to make Diana yeah. tell her brother that he's not allowed in the house anymore, as opposed to her doing it as, you know, she always wanted everybody to listen to her and show her respect as the queen or the head of the household. But to make her daughter basically kick the brother out of the household was, I think, un. un but I guess it kind of falls into Monet's thing because she definitely keeps her kids in this kind of constant state of fear or love. Like she's giving them either praise or she's doing something that's, um, you know, kind of abusive to them or, or demeaning to them or whatever it may be. So I think it was especially cruel that she made Diane, uh, Diana um, tell her brother he's out of the family, wouldn't let him back in the house, um, basically let him know, look, you're no longer welcome here because you went against what Monet wants. Um, I think it was cool that she gave him some money um, to help get you know get himself situated wherever he's going to be, and basically just told him to leave the city. Um, you know, for right now you're just not a part of this family anymore. No it may blow over one day, but you're out. Um, so I, I think it was a a, a pretty good uh, emotional scene. I think you kind of saw um, not through words, but just kind of look on his face and in the actions, how hurt Kane was about the fact that he was, you know, his family had given up on him. Um, and, and had uh, cast them out, um, and I think you also sort of heard 
real hurt on Diana's face. Um, because it seems like these three siblings are pretty close in the same, you know, around the same age. They seem pretty tight um, and, and a close in their family. And she just seemed very hurt at the fact that she couldn't let her brother back in the house and she had to let him go. And then it ends with Monet just being extra shady, just up in the window and dramatically closing the blinds. Or I guess those are curtains. Um, so I think it just had like, uh, from a scene aspect, very good, very emotional, um, tied up everything that had happened, not only in this episode, but with came back from the first episode and how you can see that his reckless and wild ways were going to ultimately be detrimental to himself or the family. And it worked, it, you know, got to the point where he's ousted. So what would you think of it? Um, I, everything you said, um, I, I did think it was a little cruel that she couldn't even at least speak to him. Like that's your, your blood. Like you, you made him like to at least, even, even if you're just yelling at him, like to not even speak words and pretty much dismiss this dude. Like he was the help. Like he worked for you for years or something like that. I thought that was a little much, um, also like I'm glad that he got the moment with Diana but like I'm also it's also like a little I don't know if it's shady to say that like maybe Drew seeing that he was next up whether he wanted to or not maybe he was just like well I gotta roll with moms on this one and you know I gotta, I gotta get the cold shoulder as well which is rough because they had that heart to heart the night before before he gives him the go ahead you know, he asked him to, to take out GTG. Um, so it's just like, I, I feel you like it was definitely like a kind of a, a heart wrenching moment, um, especially, you know, with the the thing between him and Diana. It looked like his, his eyes were welling up a little bit. Um, I think they wouldn't have let his character cry. Um, but I think it would have been a. It wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been mad at the move. He wouldn't even have to weep or anything, but, you know, give me one glory tear or something like that. But, um, yeah, uh, that was it was a rough way to end that particular chapter of that family, of a son being pretty much removed from the family uh, by word of the father from jail. Um, so we get a really brief scene where our bros our bro business partners after just having had reconciled in the last episode are appear to be completely on the odds. Now, um, Brayden just wants the truth. And as we've been touching on this entire episode, sometimes you can't handle the truth. And, you know, there's a possibility that although Brayden has been ride or die, he might not have been prepared for this, the, the full truth of what's going on with Tariq. Um, but, you know, Tariq still lied. And that's a big, that's a big X for Brayden, which, you know, he, he clearly has his code as well. Um, so they're on the outs and we'll see if that can ever be fixed. Um, but the episode ends with the a meeting face to face with uh with Monet where they pretty much recap the uh that it's either that second or third episode probably that third episode where he told her like look when you ask me which uh which of your kids you could trust 
um, who did I say? She said you. And I was that was just like, okay, so what? He's your new son now? Is because that knowledge of that would probably set Kane off even more. Like not only did you kick me out, but you pretty much borderline adopt this kid as your new son. Um, so they apparently in deeper now. So what did you think of that last scene? Uh, I think this scene kind of cements her feelings. Um, but I don't, well, not some, it cements her feelings about Tariq, um, like kind of bringing him closer and also her feelings about um, her son. I think both in a, in a, in a positive and a negative way because she tells Tariq, look, um, you know, if you get, she basically told him, look, if, if, if Kane comes back and tries to do something to you and you have to handle your business, um, so be it, you know, there will be no repercussions. We won't, you know, try to get revenge. That that's just the way the game works out. But she also told Tariq flat out, like, you don't hunt my son down though. You know, he's still my son. Right. Even though I put him out the family, I still love him. So you can't purposely go out of your way to seek Kane down, but you can't protect yourself from Kane. Um, So I think she kind of showcased that she still has love for her son. She doesn't want any harm to come to him. Um, But kind of still put her, her, at least for right now, her allegiance with Tariq. You know, Tariq is the one that's helping bring in money. Tariq is the one that's keeping their little drug Empire are moving as best as they can, especially since they don't already have any other products on the street. Um, and Tariq is who she's putting her cars with right now. Um, you know, and of course, you know, we'll see how the show plays out and whether that's going to be good in the long term for the Tahadas and also for Tariq. Um, for right now, she she has made it clear that Tariq is more important to in her life than her own flesh and blood. So I'm interested to see where they're going to go with this. As we kind of go into these last couple episodes. So with that being said, that's how the episode ends. Um, definitely an A. I'm gonna give it an, an A plus. Um, I didn't have any real gripes with this episode um, because a lot of times when you get and and I think I think it's been a smart move that they haven't been building up with the promos like there's only this many episodes left because sometimes that can overhype things to the point where you you don't watch it organically and in some cases it it doesn't meet expectations um so i actually think this was i think this was a really good a really good episode um especially not really having like super high expectations but mainly just expecting to be entertained and i was thoroughly entertained i think there was a lot of good things there were some weird things but you know it's power so there's always going to be some weird things uh my my ongoing theory for the last two episodes uh the only thing i'm going to well the only thing i'm really going to like theorize is that uh there was there was one scene that we kind of skipped over and it was pretty much zeke running to professor milgram's place and my theory is that after the events of this because after the whole almost getting shot in the leg thing happens Zeke almost doesn't even want to like touch Drew. And my theory is that Zeke is going to try and distance himself from the family. That's what I think is going to is going to happen whether it's this season or next season. He's going to try and distance himself from the family and that's what's going to set off a whole new set of tension between like 
Zeke and the family and possibly Tariq somehow. Um, you got any ongoing theories? Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I like that theory, though. I'm interested to see how um, that plays out because Zeke was really standoffish to Drew. Like, you know, he didn't want to have nothing to do with him after, you know, almost getting shot. And also, I don't even know if he knew Drew had that side in him. And I think they have really did a good job um, as far as the Sahadas from sheltering him from having anything to do with that street stuff that he doesn't fully grasp what this family mm-hmm. may be involved in or what they may be capable of. So uh, it will be interesting to see what he does. Does he run back to you know being in Monet's good graces or does she kind of like keep them at arm's length and kind of focus on just his his future and doing what's best for him? So that's interesting. Um, I don't really have no, no, no theories. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm just excited to see how they wrap this up. Like I agree with you that this was a strong episode. Um, for me, just had a couple of nitpicky little things, but I will give it a strong A. Uh, I think it, it flowed nicely. I think it set up a lot of stuff down the line, and it also gave some conclusions to a couple of things. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, look forward to next week. I think I forgot to watch the next time on Power again, uh, so I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I'm excited. I want to see how these last two episodes go because uh, I think it's only 10 episodes this season. And I'm just hoping that they do come with a strong finale um, that kind of wraps up some stuff from this season, but also sets up some type of thing that's going to make me excited um, for the wait that the months until season two comes out. So I'm ready for it. Yeah. All right. Um, again, I'm also ready for it. They've been doing a great job so far, and uh, I think I, I I have faith. I have faith that they're gonna finish strong. Um, knock on wood. If you hear this before the before the last two episode comes out, uh, but I think they've been they've been doing a good job with consistent writing um, to a degree. Uh, so yeah, you know we we're gonna be we're gonna be right along for the ride and you guys thank you for joining us on this ride um i of course i'm always is triple d you can find me at o- otc pod um or off the clock pod uh o-f-f-t-h-a clock pod on pretty much everything um and of course as always my co-host carlos d nice talking to everybody see you in the future happy holidays